whakawhanaungatanga is what we do. Or as the kids say, it's how we roll. It's when Māori make connections to figure out how you're connected. It's a way of becoming closer to someone, breaking down barriers, which is what Tony Huato and I did when I turned up at her whare to interview her about the upcoming album Tomokia, due for release in June as part of Matariki Celebrations in Wellington. Are you a happy mana? I am. So my... It goes happy mana, then... Tapimana had a daughter who then married my koro tautohe, who then had a son boy, who then had a daughter, Amelia, and then there's me. Oh, oh, awesome. Um, well, I'm from Tamihana, so um, Hapimana, how it goes is that um, Hapimana's father is Fakaha, and um, Fakaha was a warrior. He died as a young man. He was actually um, cooked and eaten. But before he died, he had three children. And um, those three children were Tamihana, which is where I come from. Um, so it goes Tamihana, who had Himi Huata, who had um, Teokanga Huata, who had Ropini Huata, and had me. <laughs> and, and then you've got your own Ropini. That's right, and my own teokanga, yes. Um, and so Fakaha, um, I've written a song about Fakaha because um, Fakaha is the one who begat the Fakatawaki erere e te huata hopukia. Um, when you see the huata spear flying, grasp it. And he saved his leader, Hainga, um, by doing that, and then uh, in battle, and then he turned that huata spear around on the huariri, and, and that beget the second part of the whakatauki, erere e te huata tomokia. So when you see the huata spear flying, enter it. And that whakatauki has guided me um, by that act of what our tipuna whakaha did um, in all my mahi, basically, and all our whānau. It's the backbone, literally, of who we are. So for me, erere e te huata hopukia, grasp the idea, capture the opportunity. And our album two years ago, or a year and a half ago, was called Hopukia. And now this album this year is called Tomokia. We're entering, we are arriving, we are settling, we are making it happen. Uh, so... Yeah, and that goes back to our tipuna whakaha. And um, when he did that act, uh, Hainga actually said to him, name your first child Huata, which came, which begat our surname Huata. And um, yeah, so it's a little corridor on our whakawhanaungatanga. <laughs> um, going back to our common ancestor whakaha in the act of what he did. And so, um, you know, when times get tough, and they do, in life for any of us um, things like that are the things that I suppose give me a bit of strength and give me a bit of backbone in terms of guidance as to what I know um, what is the right path for me what is the overall kaupapa for me um, and why I'm doing what I'm doing and at the end of the day well it's got to be for our kids and also for our whanau and our iwi uh, we come from them so we do this to give back to them so um, that's pretty much what um, All My Mahi is about. Yeah. I'm with Tony Huata sitting on her porch at her whare in Wilton, looking out on 
Tarikaka and Maunga Koko. And we've just been talking about a number of subjects, including your time at boarding school at Turakina. <laughs> yes, and and um, and I suppose that time is was reflective on um, all my friends and wonderful memories and and the very friends that I have to this very day and um, our times back then and what we did to inspire each other, inspire our juniors. Um, our, our form in particular, I was saying to you, it was not a heavy form. Um, I think you and I, we were talking about the how SIFs came into Turakena and you know what type of ahua that brings in. And um, and it actually didn't bring a heavy ahua for us. The 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 kōtiro that came in at the time fitted in with us very well. Um, but what a lot of that does come down to, when I my time at Turakina opened up my eyes. I came from a very sheltered background with my grandparents. I really knew nothing. I didn't even know how to peel um, vegetables. I was, I, I was the moko that only was allowed to dry dishes, and that's it. <laughs> I was lucky to be able to do that, yeah. Now, when I started boarding school, I was, like, so sheltered. I, honestly, I didn't even know how to peel vegetables. It was So boarding school, in terms of all of that as well, taught me those things, uh, taught me a bit more independence. And I think, you know, as a child, um, being with my grandparents, I was, and being a, surrounded by lots of old people, um, I was quite a quiet child. I'd just get on with my own thing. I um, would play with my dolls. I would draw. I would um, just go into my own little wee world, actually, and make friends with other kids, my other cousins, whenever I went to Hui with my grandparents back home in Wairoa, at Tākitumu Pākohai, wherever. Um, and I think maybe my going to Turakina and um, opening up my eyes to all my various friends I met there from different backgrounds, different experiences. Um, I think maybe uh, that experience made me open up and become more, I don't know, forthright with uh, my communication, perhaps. I'm looking at that as, you know, contributing to that because people that might know me now might say, you're quite a forthright person, you're quite a confident person, you were you yourself were saying before you're very professional. Um, I think it comes down to all those various experiences and it adds to your kete of your life. Um, hairdressing help, you know, adds to the professional codes of conduct that I learnt through there. Um, going to Turakina, you know, um, speaking out more perhaps. Um, in terms of that confidence, uh, but however, at the end of the day, it all comes from your base, and and it and it stems from the Fano, and sometimes it stems from Fano you have had nothing to do with. My um, my birth father, Jeff Beecham, he passed away last year, um, beginning of uh, of August, and so on this album, I've written three songs for him: Legacy, Warrior and dad and I got to know him as a you know in my 20s and but I never had a hole or a void that needed to be filled through having to know him but the opportunities opportunities arise where uh, we did meet and when he when we met and got to know each other he was a very good father and so we were quite shocked with his passing of cancer last year he was a minister 
He was a musician with Māori show bands prior to that. Um, he was a very forthright, confident person. And a lot of people say, I think a lot of Jeff is in you as well. And, and it comes out in you, even the way you walk, uh, the way you talk. And, and I always thought it was from my huata side. But so like um, going back to the base of, of talking about the integrity of who you are, the foundations of who you are, always stems from the whānau. Um, and like like I say, even whānau that you don't even have anything to do with, it's in there, it's in your whakapapa. Now you were saying you were brought up by your grandparents, and we've all seen mokos indulged by grandparents. <laughs> when you're brought up with pe- with grandparents that are significantly older than you, there does come a time when they die, right? And I remember when um, your grandfather, I mean, they still talk about it now, when he died in Ratoki. Yes, I was quite young then, and um, he, it was quite a dramatic passing. Um, I think I might have been the last in the whānau, our immediate whānau, to see him. That was post the Māori Battalion reunion, which was held in Hastings at Tōmona Showgrounds. Um, he was a key organiser of that. He would um, get home at about 1am in the morning. He'd get up, have two hours sleep, he'd get up at 3am and go back to the showgrounds. And that was him for the five days prior to him passing at that kohanga reo hui in um, Ruatoki Tawarau Marae. And, um, yeah, I was told about how it all happened. He stood up to do his fai kōrero, he sat down, he had his massive heart attack, and he more or less died. And, um, you know, people like Timari Joe and Edita Fafirangi and many others have told me of 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 what happened at the time. They told us, actually, because I think it was Edita Fafirangi and Timari that rang the family, um, and, you know, I'd just come down to Wellington to start my career and hairdressing. Dad bought me down and he'd brought me back, um, about a day or two prior to the, his passing. And I remember he had, um, he couldn't carry my bag properly down the right hand side of his body. And that would have been a sure sign that his heart was stressed. And, um, so in terms of that, there was, you know, people would say, oh, he died in the place that he loved the most and on the marae and after his whaikōrero and it was the right way for him to go and all the rest of it. And, you know, to to us, we just lost, you know, we lost our, our you know, our father, our grandfather. And, um, and yes, it was interesting that he chose to go in the land of Tuhoe. And I think it's also an acknowledgement of our whakapapa connections to Tūhoi. Um, he was a whakapapa person, an orator, a manu reo. He was very aware of our connections, and I think his hua wairua and he himself choosing to go there was quite significant. Um, our um, conscious um, connections to Tūhoi is through Waikare Moana, and so we have our connections there, but our our um, huatafano we um, very kahunganu. Uh, but yes, we do know that about our whakapapa and that we have our connections there. You know, it also when we talk about tuhoi, um, it also goes back to Dad writing Kawaikahua, the song Kawaikahua, and the first singer of that song being Kui Wano. 
And when in talking to Kui, this was when um, I was looking at doing the song, um, she said to me that he'd come into the office and it was her and John Rangiho there and that he um, was talking about the song that he composed and that he asked her to sing it. And, he, and she said to him, this is what she said to us, um, why don't you get your own whānau to do it? There's many of your own whānau. And he'd said to her, this is from Kui, that they don't have the real. And this could be real weata, uh, not necessarily real Māori, um, but it might have been just her particular real aoro, real rangi, mita, that he wanted, that he asked her to do it. And and I love that version that she does. And but again, that says to me it's a it's it's a significant thing of our connection to Tuhoi. So there had to be a, a deeper reason for that, as opposed to just about the real. So I feel that that was probably that deeper fuckapapa connection as well. And um, and then you know, and then when it came my time of coming into music, um, for me, it's my reflection of the aroha, and that's my version. It's um, it's my fond reflection with with much happiness and love of my grandparents' aroha for each other, and even my grandparents' aroha for us as a whānau and me as their mokopuna. Yes, I was whāngai mokopuna. Yes, I was um, obviously I wasn't skinny. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Typical moko gets <laughs> spoilt with everything. And, and so I was never a skinny kid. <laughs> I was never skinny moko. And, um, but yeah, so that that's, um, you know, a lot older. And what are those values, I guess, that, you know, when you have those type of people that are virtually your parent figures, what are the values that you have for them? You know, with them, I remember um, when I probably got to about 10, 9 or 10, they would dance late at night when everyone else had gone to bed and I'd sometimes still be awake and I'd just sit them watching them, you know, watch them dance to Glenn Miller in the sitting room and um, then reflect back to their time of being young people in the 40s because that was the music of their time, of their, you know, their period. And I'd look at that and I'd just think how how wonderful, how beautiful, how how just how lovely and um and I saw the, them reminiscing and going back and you know memories like that are real fond memories for me to um real fond memories of them in terms of their aroha 